Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back. 101 ESPN, Sam McKernan with you to the top of the hour. The great Jackson Bennett Burkett here. And now Jeremy Rutherford makes it a wonderful, wonderful full day. Morning, Jer. Morning, morning. Not sure about that, but uh, I'm here anyway. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, JR, I'm going to come right out with guns a-blazing, brother. Percentage, Jordan Cairo is traded by the Blues before his no-trade clause kicks in. That's a different timeline than this one. Percentage, the Blues trade, Buchnevich, uh, by this year's trade deadline. Two different timelines, two different players, similar theme. What do you got? What do you got? Arbitrary percentages. It's funny, as I was listening to the show, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to have an answer for Tim on Cairo and Buchnevich, but I wonder if he's going to ask me for a percentage. And sure. You're damn right. You're damn right that's where I'm going with it. What do you got? I can't wait to hear what you say. Sure, here we are. So in terms of Cairo, and I like the way you set up the questions, you know, we're being realistic with it. You know, not Cairo before this year's deadline. We're doing Cairo before the no trade kicks in. Uh, 2025, of course, players, when they get no trade clauses, they got to wait until they're 27 years old or seven years in the league. So, you know, I here's what I think about Cairo. I would give that a 50 to 60% chance that he's going to be traded before the no trade clause kicks in. And that might be a little low for some. I just think that it, it's it's right there in the middle. But I, I think this, I would be shocked if Jordan Cairo finishes his eight-year contract with the Blues in St. Louis. He might pay, make it past the no trade uh, clause when it kicks in. And I realize that would give him control before that point, And that might not make a lot of sense to people. But I don't know that the Blues are going to be able to pull off a trade with Jordan Cairo between now and then. But once it does kick in, Tim, like Doug Armstrong always says, if we want to trade a player, regardless of if they got a no trade, we'll figure out a way to get it done. I would be shocked if he finishes the year contract in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. With, give me your thoughts on that, and then I'll give yeah, you Yeah, I, uh, I, I, sh- I could not agree with you more on that, on the, on the latter portion. And, uh, yeah, I'm in like the 67 70% range on Cairo being traded before the uh, no trade clause kicks in. So I, I, I wonder, and, and I was texting, I was t- telling the audience and you were listening, Kevin Lorenz used to work on TMA and we always text on, on Mondays in particular because he knows you're uh, going to be on balloon party and we BS in the mornings. And I was surprised that he gave it a 52%. I am of course above 50% and closer to 70. And then Kevin was uh, 52. You're, you're in the 50 to 60 range. And I, and maybe I'm off the mark on this, but, I would think Blues fans as a whole may be surprised to hear, in particular, you, somebody who's credible, whereas I'm just some kind of clown who occupies the air for an hour. But you have credibility, so I think people might be surprised to hear that. What, what is your read on the fan base's thoughts on uh, on, on Cairo in, in a trade? Well, it's interesting. I have a piece up today. It's the trade tiers, Blues trade tiers, and I did a paragraph on each player on the roster. And for Jordan Cairo, I divided it up. I said, hey, his fans are going to say they don't want to see him light the lamp for another team. And I think it's not a question with the other half of the fan base who would trade him uh, tomorrow. I think the situation with Jordan Cairo, Tim, you and I talked about it last week, and you talked about it earlier in the show today. He has an outstanding game, and then the next game, 
he's benched in the third period along right. with a couple other guys, and it's just too up and down with him in particular. I think that Robert Thomas went out of his way the night that Pavel Buchnevich had a hat trick, went out of his way to pump Jordan Kyrou's tires and say that was a phenomenal game by Jordan Kyrou. He pushed the line. He drove the play. He created the offense, and he did. He should have been given credit, but I think that's an effect that Robert Thomas is trying to have on on, on Jordan Kyrou. And you know, at some point, it just has to lead to a string of consistency with Kyrou, or they're going to look to find a way to move him. I suppose if I wanted to summarize, if I were, if I actually were active on Twitter, I would sum it up like this: There's a fifty percent chance, at best, I think most would agree. By the way, there's a fifty percent chance Jordan Kyrou lives up to the dollars he's being paid in this contract. But there's a 100% chance that the Blues are on the hook for the biggest contract that could really be an albatross for the franchise. And from that standpoint, if you're looking at it mathematically, I just feel like it's something they have to do, even though I realize it takes on risk that it could wind up biting them because of that skill set he has. Following up, I know you were about to answer the the Buchnevich question. How do you view things? Perhaps things change uh, from day to day. The Blues entered the weekend in a playoff spot. Now they find themselves out of a playoff spot with a daunting set of 48 hours ahead of them. How do you view the Buchnevich situation in March 8th? But whenever I answer these questions, especially when you get closer to the trade deadline, I try to think about, you know, my years covering Doug Armstrong in the big picture. So, well, so, example, so I, Kevin and I were texting about that, and I don't think you and I have had this conversation, but maybe we have, and I've just forgot. But, but Shattenkirk being some kind of a, of a potential parallel in the sense that, you know, he was out there for a while uh, before they actually moved him, and, 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 and you were just about to go into the long-term strategy, uh, so that's why I wanted to, to frame it that way. I apologize for interrupting, but... Oh, I, yeah, yeah, no. So, please. Yeah, I just think I just think with the big picture, you have to look at Doug Armstrong in the big picture. So, you know, let, let's say that this trade deadline passes and now it's March 8th, 9th, and we're talking to uh, Doug Armstrong. Hey, did you know, did you find out in the last week about your team? No, I've felt what I feel about this team for the past month and a half, and I've been in dialogue with a lot of teams about certain players, and this is why we did what we did. So big picture, that's how Doug Armstrong operates. The other thing that I've learned about Doug over the years is that you know, these conversations go on for, you know, months and even years with some of these players. You know, Jay Bolmeister, we talked about that trade for months and months and months. You know, Matthew Kachuk, even though it didn't come to fruition, you know, we were talking about that for months and months. And, and I think that's the situation. So I don't think that Doug Armstrong is just going to decide this week that, oh, that's a great trade offer for Pavel Buchnevich. I'm going to make that deal. The difference that we need to keep in mind with the trading Paul Stastny's and the trading of Kevin Shattenkirk's at the deadline was those were expiring contracts. And with Pavel Buchnevich, there's another year. So not only is there a chance to potentially make the playoffs with a Pavel Buchnevich on the roster this year, but there's also a chance to see what everybody else is going to offer this offseason for Pavel Buchnevich. And, you know, maybe it gets into a situation where things turn for the better for the team and Pavel Buchnevich wants to stay here and you resign him. I just don't see Doug Armstrong, based on history, making that snap move Unless, I mean, you're talking a package that he just can't turn down. What about the the market and how that could impact things around the NHL and teams desperate to bring on somebody to help them out and there just isn't a lot of supply this year? 
I think that is a factor when you talk about Jake Gensel being probably the, the best winger available on the market. Then you have a uh, Pavel Buchnevich, you know, you had the Ryan Whitney tweet about uh, Brady Kachuk potentially being available. Yeah. So I, I think the scarcity of wingers in the market could be to the Blues' advantage if they're listening to offers on Pavel Buchnevich. But I just don't think it's going to be that much different in the offseason because teams are going to have more cap space. And if you decide that, yes, we're going to move Pavel Buchnevich, we're not signing him to an eight times eight contract, you know, when his contract's up. I still think you're going to have suitors in the offseason. They're going to have more cap space, and I don't think the offers are going to be that much better than they are right now that would lead Doug Armstrong to believe I have to do it now because it's just not going to be there in the summer. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on Balloon Party. It's 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan talking it over with JR. JR, uh, before we uh, got into our conversation on the Blues and the trade deadline, I was talking about Peter King, and he announced his retirement this morning after riding Monday morning quarterback for decades and also riding in the NFL for 44 years. He is 66 years old. And uh, Jackson and I were talking about the long-form column and uh, whether or not there is a long-term future for the long-form column. Uh, what is your opinion? Yeah, first of all, it's an interesting conversation. I love listening to it, and I, I feel like I have a bit of a perspective here because uh, I left the newspaper industry and, and joined The Athletic, and when we first started up at The Athletic, that's what the that's what they wanted from us. They wanted the long-form, tell a story. It doesn't matter how long it is. I remember in the early days of The Athletic, 2017 for myself, Tim, I was writing stories and you know features that were almost 4,000 words. And slowly but surely, we've gotten that down to about 1,800 words. And for people, you know, maybe word count doesn't mean anything to you. But I think that in today's day and age, people don't have a lot of time. Uh, also, a lot of people read the stories on their phone. And if you think about yeah. scrolling through, yeah. through, your, through your phone, you're not going to continue going on and on. We've taken those mailbags that we used to do at 4,000 words and cut them into two parts, part one, part two, and now they're about 2,000 words each. You get a lot more people to, uh, to, to read those. And, and, and so I think that there's still an ability to write long-form writing. It just can't be what you're talking about in the days of the Peter King with 10,000-word columns. So I, I do think we've probably seen uh, the last of that, but I will say this. When I write a story that's a feature story, 2,000 words, you get the comments, this is why I subscribe to The Athletic. This is what I want from sports writing. I, I want these long-form feature pieces. Uh, you're not going to get as many comments on those. The comments are going to come from the hot takes or the trade tiers or things like that, but that's just people voicing their uh, their two cents. So, we only have one uh, minute left. Was there research that The Athletic conducted that said, hey, we, we need to get away from the 4,000 words and cut them in half, or how did how did that transpire? Yeah, I think The Athletic did a lot of homework, but also when we were purchased by the New York Times about a year ago, they've done all the homework for a decade plus, sure. and uh, you know that the, the sweet spot is right there at about 1,800 words in terms of the max length. Good. Good knowledge. All right, there it is. Uh, that's good perspective, JR. Yeah, the 10th, I mean, I would, I mean, the Peter King thing, it'd be like, I can't wait to read it, but I don't know if I'm going to have enough time between now and starting the right. the morning after with, uh, with how in-depth it was. Um, but I, I personally love it. I just get Gather that the masses aren't necessarily looking. I think that observation on people reading on their phones is is right on target. That's just pragmatic there. Yeah, it just drops off a cliff after you get to 2,000 words yeah. or so in terms of people that stay engaged. Interesting. JR, always appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation as always. Jeremy Rutherford on throughout the week here on 101 ESPN on Wednesday on TMA. And we'll be monitoring closely JR's work as the trade deadline approaches. Thank you, JR.
Thanks, Tim. There he is. That's Jeremy Rutherford with us. And that wraps up today's program. For Jackson Burkett, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Monganass, St. Louis Acura, and Monganass Burkhardt Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN.